I have basically never gone to a library in the last probably five or six years. I almost never read books. All of my information usually comes from the internet, but this library had the ability to manufacture and create new items for my projects that I would never be able to create on my own. They have a laser printer. They have a 3D printer that can print metals and carbon fiber materials. Being able to have access to these different manufacturing techniques has been the main reason that I've been using the library. When was the last time you went to a library? I mean, yourself, not for your kids. Right. I tried a library as an alternative workspace probably last 2016. Okay. Yeah, that's six years ago. But it was not really very fulfilling. What do you think of libraries today? Why do you not go to the library? I spent a week working from a library, interviewing their executive director along the way and recording two other podcasts. Everything you hear has been made within the library. As Michael said at the top, the library enabled him to do something he was not able to do at home. That is what libraries are offering today. Today, I speak with Sabrina Bernat of Winter Park Library in Florida. We met and used her podcast studio for this conversation. We talk about how libraries have become digital. What are some of the services offered by today's library? Have a listen. Check out the show notes for more links. Thank you for being here. My name is Andrew Mayer. This is New Normal. Now on to Sabrina Bernat, Executive Director, Winter Park Library. Winter Park Magazine uh, recently called you a New Age Librarian. (laughs) But you come from an English lit and a fine art background. What do you bring as Executive Director to Winter Park Library? Well, I don't like to talk about myself too much, but what most people say to me is it's my enthusiasm that they find so welcoming. And you mentioned in the interview in that article that you have a wonderful staff that takes your quirks and can turn them into actionable items. My cheerful chaos, I believe, is what it says in the article. Yes, so true. I come in and I have a wacky idea and my staff and I sit down and we work through it. And they're great at getting to yes. That is something I really encourage is let's not think about the ways we can't do something. Let's not think about the roadblocks. But if we do, let's think of how we get through those, how we get past it and get to yes. As I mentioned in the pre-roll in in the introduction to the podcast here, I haven't been in libraries very much, and I've put out questions on my social media as to who's been to libraries, not with their kids. I mean, that's usually a lot of people, they bring their kids because they got those four to 18-year-olds or whatever it might be. But how have people been using libraries has changed, and I've missed a lot of it, to be honest, and I have the pleasure of being here in this uh, library here this week and these experiences. But what's the role of libraries in 2022, and how have they changed? They've changed a lot. So I grew up in libraries using the card catalog, going after school, getting my books for homework and you know, pleasure. And then through the years, I've noticed more and more, like we talked about, experiences being added to what libraries do. It's more about education, connecting people with knowledge and resources. So we see ourselves today as a platform for the community to come and do a lot of different things. We have borrowed from some other libraries to come up with what we call our three pillars of education philosophy, which really explains all that a library does and why we do the things we do, why we have the things that we have, starts off with self-directed education, which means that 
that the library should be a platform that has all of the resources that you, the individual, need without any intervention. So you can come in, sit down. We have equipment. We have spaces. We have materials of all shapes and sizes for you for whatever your particular need might be. And that's one pillar of what we do and why we have a collection and collection development and all those wonderful things. And then there's research assistance and instruction, the second pillar. And that's where staff become important. That's where we have the bread and butter library classes. We do early literacy story times and we have introductory computer classes. And if you have a research question or you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur and you just need help getting started with research or getting started with other projects, that's where we come in. And then the third, we call our instructive and enlightening experiences. And that's where we bring in outside luminaries. So people with expertise beyond what we generalists can offer in the library. Librarians are, are jack of all trades, jill of all trades. They are real renaissance people. But there are areas that we are just not experts in. We'll bring in people on healthcare and policy and social issues, all sorts of things, and give our members, our community, that experience to learn and grow in those experiences. And the role of digital has obviously grown. I'm yes. in the library today, and I'm happy to plug that I'm in your recording studio. Yeah. So this is unusual for me. It was a little bit tricky to make sure I feel comfortable uh, working with this here. But uh, your <laughs> staff has helped me a lot to make it absolutely seamless uh, for me to sit here. Why is digital important to the library today? It reaches a broader audience for us. One of the things that libraries always struggle with is in-building and out-building because we have built this amazing facility. It's it's wonderful. It has so many new spaces, so many new things people can experience and come in and use. But you have to be able to get here. And for folks, some folks, that is not possible. Their job schedule, their family situation or home life, lots of reasons they can't get to us. So it's really important that we have outreach efforts that are physical and digital. So we have staff that go out into the community with a physical book, book bike. Right. Uh, and we also have our digital offerings. And we launch platforms like Overdrive, Libby, and Hoopla and things like that. And we're also digitizing our historical archives so that if you can't get in to visit the archive in person, you can do that online. I have to let you plug this because I'm fascinated by it as well. We're in an incredible new building. You've been open, I believe, 11 weeks or something like something that. like that. So it's this is really new. I don't smell fresh paint anymore, so <laughs> that has settled. But it's an incredible building. What, what can you tell us about this? Well, for your listeners at home <laughs> uh, who have no idea the library that we left to come to this one, uh, it's it's such a change. It really is night and day. Our old building was built in the late 70s with the third floor addition in the mid 90s, brick structure, very sturdy, mm -hmm. can withstand those Florida hurricanes, in fact, but really did not afford us any flexibility when it came to making upgrades or changes as new technology came along, as patron needs expanded. Our largest room for doing any kind of activities in the old library was our community room, and it uh, seated about 60 people at maximum capacity. Mm -hmm. And in the new facility, we're only a two-story building, um, not a three-story building, so operationally a win, but our largest room seats 122, right. and our second largest room seats 100. And then we have several other smaller spaces as well and spaces that convert into usable spaces. <laughs> What's changed? Because I was in the old library mm -hmm. many years ago. And for me, I would just say that was the old 1970s library. That oh, was yeah. the one I would have visited when I was in school. We always went to the library on Saturday morning. My dad brought his books back. He read so many books. And we would go into the kids section and flip through things there. But that was the library that I knew yeah. of old. And that's what you come from. Yeah. What you have today is flexibility is oh, what yes. I see everywhere. It was the number one word. I'm sure the architects were sick of me saying it, but it was something that was really important to staff and really important to me because that's what we lacked in the old building. And 
if the last two years have shown us anything is we just don't know what's coming down the pipeline. We don't know how we're going to have to pivot, adapt to things. The speed, the pace of change in technology is just incredible. So the stuff coming down the pipeline now faster and faster and faster, new things, new equipment. So we need to be ready for it. And we need to be ready for bigger um, experiences. Like I mentioned, that's what's grown over and over and over. Pre-pandemic, we were... For a town of 30,000 people, seeing 38,000 people attending our classes and events every year. So we were number one in the state per capita for as many bodies in the building. And that was in a space where our largest room sat 60 people. We just had um, an annual event in February, our Heart and Soul, which is our celebration of black history culture for Black History Month. And in our old space, we would see about 60 to 80 people. So Mm. don't tell the fire marshal about that one. But in the new space, um, with the first time we did it, uh, over 200 people. So, again, don't tell the fire marshal, but we were out in the lobby. We were hanging on the staircase. Yeah, it's 120, right? Yeah, if you're doing the math on that, it doesn't really check out. But we're also fortunate that right next door, of course, to our library is this brand new events center. Mm. And that's uh, great synergy for us because when we have an event that has outgrown itself, we can call on our friends at the city and say, hey, do you have availability? Because, you know, we're getting too big for our britches. So... Technology plays a big role. You talked about the the online services that people that can't always get to the library can access a lot of the information and and services from afar. But this library itself contains a lot of technology. Mm -hmm. Like I said, we're in a a podcast studio. This is set up better than my studio at home. It's got a green screen, which obviously on podcasting you can't see, but it's set up. I've been told uh, you have cameras that people can come in and do video. Mm-hmm. I, I heard that video interviews for college applications and things like that is a thing. Yeah. Maybe and resumes and, and, and resumes. Mm-hmm. You've got spaces where not everybody's got a nice space to do things like that at home. This is for me something very new as libraries. What else do you offer? Yeah. So everything that we offer, we're offering it because we want to be an equalizer for the community. Mm. Like you said, you have a setup at home, but a lot of folks don't have that opportunity or space. So we wanted to provide that kind of um, space and technology in the library for whatever your needs might be. So we do have the recording studio. The makerspace is where our fun and funky technology lives. If you'd like to try your hand at 3D printing, not not everyone can afford their own 3D printer. Or do they have the technical inclination to learn how to do that on their own? Mm-hmm. They need guided assistance for that. So we have a couple 3D printers. I think we've added a metal 3D printer in the new space. But um, lots of stuff coming down you know, the pipeline there. And we've got virtual reality headsets. Mm. So we're teaching virtual reality classes for uh, all ages. The kids, of course, is what you'd expect. They're playing their video games. They're doing cool stuff. But the grownups are coming in and we're doing Google Expedition and we're traveling the world, uh, which is great for people with mobility issues, fixed income. You're not getting out and traveling. You're not being able to experience the things that others can. So it gives you a chance to do that. We've got iMacs and PCs that have all the Adobe Creative software on there. Again, expenses that you may not be able to afford on your own. People come in and use that to make business cards, resumes, flyers for their small business. We've also got a Cricut digital die cutter. So for the really crafty folks who love to cut their vinyls for their tumblers and do all sorts of things, (laughs) uh, we have that. And we provide all the mats, the pens, the calligraphy pens, the blades, just for you to come in and use. And then the newest big addition is our laser cutter. Mm. So we have a Glowforge and come in and engrave your laptop lid or make a sign or cut out pieces for a project. And it's just really exciting. And of course, the computer lab, which we did not have at the old library, we had a few lonely public computers scattered around the first floor of the building, not really conducive to anything. But now we have a lab which allows us to teach classes. We were going off-site to do that before for wherever we could find a place that had computers. So bringing people into the building and then we do virtual computer classes as well. 
And then in our memory lab, we, uh, unlike most public libraries, we have a historical archive because mm-hmm. we're not a traditional public library. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. So we do have to fundraise about a third of our budget every year. But also part of our unique uh, role in the city of Winter Park is that we collect, uh, preserve, catalog our shared cultural history. So we have some really unique and interesting things in our historical archive. In the old library, unfortunately, it all lived in a space that was semi-public and had no humidity or climate controls. Mm. So it was in danger. Many precious documents and things over the years were degrading, and our archivist was very concerned about that. So she had a lot to do with the design of her new space, which included, thankfully, a new climate and temperature controlled archive and her new public research room. So it's a nice, quiet space where she has exhibit space, which we did not have before. So now she can bring things out of the archive where it's appropriate or make new displays and things and really get people interested in what's happened in Winter Park's history. It's fascinating stuff. And then we have added to the public research room a memory lab, we call it, where we have some specialized equipment that aids our members in preserving family histories. So we've got a VHS Mm. to DVD converter. Uh, He's got those old VHS tapes. There's hardly anything that will play them anymore. Everyone's got a box somewhere. That's right. You know, old wedding videos, baby's first steps, things like that. So people come in and we help them get set up and learn the software. And then they can just go to town on their own and saves them thousands of dollars if you were to send away for a professional service to do that. And then we've got a large format specialty scanner. So if they're coming in with art slides or uh, photo negatives, Mm -hmm. it scans Mm -hmm. those as well as really large documents, old maps. Uh, big photographs and things like that. And then we've got a cassette converter, too. So if you have old cassette tapes, you come in. These are things those. I would have never thought the library would be offering. Yeah, and, and you know, very well utilized. And Once, that's, just, that's a service you're offering, right? Not necessarily a benefit to the library other than being yeah. community open and engaging them to come in. We love being able to offer it. And it gets pretty well used as people learn more, more and more about it. We did have one little old computer and a little old scanner at the old <laughs> library. But it it just, we couldn't really advertise it. There wasn't space for people to come in and use it. So now people realize that we have it. Who are you trying to reach with some of these new facilities, services, technologies, and and how are you trying to reach them? Well, And I I know this is new. Yeah. I've been here for 11 weeks, and some of this, I I can tell, has been set up in the last few weeks recently. It's still a work in progress. We'll be be fully tweaked and operational probably by summer. We we still have some things on cargo ships somewhere. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's, uh, as my director of education likes to say, it's infant to infinity, right? So we are always trying to reach everyone in the community and meet a lot of needs, which is a hard, a hard role to fulfill as a public entity. You can't make everyone happy. You can't meet every need. And that's hard, especially for my staff who are such helpful people. That's what they, that's why they get into this world. We have target groups that we're looking at, obviously. So with our new facility, a couple different things were really important to us. So in our old building, we had a very, very small, cramped children's area. Mm. And and it was incredible that we did nearly half of our annual circulation out of this teeny tiny space. And we were at a place where we were being forced, quite literally, to remove a book to add a book in our children's section, um, which was really, really difficult to Mm do. We know librarians have their own natural what we call weeding processes, and books do leave the library in their own time, but not before their time. Um, So we wanted to make sure that in the new facility, we had of course, expanded collection um, space capacity to grow that collection. 
and that we had a more welcoming space for families mm -hmm. to encourage them to come in because all of that serves our role in, in contributing to emergent and early literacy education. Mm -hmm. uh, extremely important. We have an early literacy area. We partner with lots of organizations, but those those foundational years when children are developing their cognitive skills around literacy is a, a predictor of so much in their life. It's a future successes tie right back into whether or not they're reading on grade level by third or fourth grade. Mm. Ties into health outcomes, high school graduation rates, even things like prison, you know, mm. people people going to jail, and all sorts of things that tie back into that. So we really wanted to make sure we had a space that aided in that and aided our future goals for that. So we are pushing forward and getting a a special early literacy certification with our okay. youth librarians are going for training. It will once they're certified, will be the second library in the state to be certified as a family place library. It's all about early and emergent literacy. Mm -hmm. Emergent is for babies and early is for your preschool okay. age. So it's there's a lot of different things in different ages that you have to address. And um, once they come back from that, we'll introduce a five week caregiver course. So that really will teach the caregivers to teach their little ones mm -hmm, how mm -hmm. to gain these skills. Very, very important. And in the old library, the youth spaces were uh, right next to the adult spaces. So it, it caused some friction, let's, let's say. It's kind of a turnoff for the youth. <laughs> yes. And maybe for the adults as well. Yeah. We had our, our adult reading gallery, our studying gallery, right next to the children's areas. Many adults did not appreciate the joyous laughter right. of our children running around in the children's area. And it did require our librarians to keep a little bit of an eye on who mm. the big people were in the little people's area, just to make sure everyone's safe and comfortable. And it didn't often invite parents to stick around and stay in those mm. areas. And we we know that the, when you hang out in the store, you're more apt to buy, right? So if we can keep you longer after story time, you may check out more books. You may get more out of your experience at the library. So now in the new library, I mentioned we're only a two-story building. The whole second floor is our youth floor. Right, right. So everything there. It is their land. They can run and play and shriek to their heart's content. And Anybody over the age of 17 up there is going to get a, <laughs> a side eye from your staff yeah, to make sure yeah. you we, we know there are plenty of grown-ups who like to read uh, YA, young adult fiction. And we do have some meeting spaces up there. But the way the building's designed, we can see. Hmm. You know, we really have a good, good eye on who's coming and going into that space. What is the mission of Winter Park Library in 2022? It's to connect people to knowledge and resources to amplify learning and build a stronger community. And really, mm. we see ourselves as just this key educational institution in the fabric of our community. And we, we want to draw people not only to our facility, but broadcast out of our facility, mm. make sure that mm. we have these incredible online offerings and build those in whatever ways that we can. You know, we started off at a disadvantage with the pandemic because we'd never done any kind of virtual learning. We weren't prepared for it. We didn't have, first of all, the old library when we were doing all this in was not the facility for the best internet connection or anything like that. So we're a lot of handicaps we started with and our staff rose to that challenge. And now we've decided to make hybrid learning a mm. part of our platform moving forward, especially because the pandemic did show us that which is, again, something that libraries knew is that the disadvantage that those that don't have access struggle more. So much was made more accessible. And I hate to see that go away mm. as we're, quote, returning to normal. So we've talked with our staff and we've looked at our resources and said that where we can, we're absolutely going to continue with hybrid options. Mm -hmm. And I think hybrid 
and I've talked about this on, on previous podcasts with other guests, when we started talking about this in 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic, conversations were, well, if this just lasts sort of six months or, or nine months or a year, we're going to go back to the normal, the previous normal quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Now we're into year three right. of a strange hybrid life, whether that's food delivery or groceries being delivered at home or yeah. learning online. I've got three children or young adults who are all obviously well-versed at uh, hybrid learning nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it's going to stick a lot longer. And I think that's probably going to become a, a foundational part of what the library offers as well. Yeah. And it's so interesting because we're at the colliding of those two worlds in a, in another way as well, because we have seen, especially with our younger folks, pulling away from digital. So the, mm. the biggest adopters of our digital services at the library are seniors. They're using e-books. Really? They're using e-audiobooks. The younger folks really are preferring physical materials. And I think that that's a reaction to how digital their world has become. You know, if you look at schooling today, the kids are given laptops or iPads. Mm-hmm. A lot of their mm-hmm. textbooks are online. So much of their social lives are online, whether they want them to be or not. So they come in here and it is a physical space. So that is still very, very important, which is why we're not just focusing on digital resources. It's just, it's very interesting to me to see the trends that flow through the library in our community. And of course, every community is different. But what we've definitely seen here is that the younger folks have a preference for the print and the older folks have a preference for digital, but they're all using it in some way or another. And I shouldn't say the, the older folks have a preference for digital, but the, the biggest adopters. Mm-hmm. So Because plenty, plenty of my senior uh, members who come in to use the library definitely tell me how much they love our print sections, our large print, our, you know, that's that's still very, very popular. But it's digital is a growing share and it's growing faster for our older folks than our and younger And I've noticed folks. that in some of the resources here, seeing some of the terminals people work working at average age. I won't I won't give it, but it's definitely my age and higher. You, and see, you see some gray at the temples. Definitely it's, some gray yeah. at the temples there. <laughs> I mean, I guess the younger generation may have their own facilities and their own hardware and their own laptops or whatever, yeah. so they don't have a uh, necessity there. My signature question I ask everybody on my podcast here is, what does innovation mean to you? It means a couple different things to me. It definitely means our staff who are so good at doing so much with so little. So at the old library, especially, you know, we're, we're talking duct tape and bubble gum. I mean, they were doing amazing things with very, very few resources. So I think that is a type of innovation that is really important in, uh, in a library. We have so many creative people mm. and they're finding ways just to make things stretch. And in doing that, come up with some ingenious solutions. But it also means thinking about where where we can go. You know, yeah, we have we've we've traded in our, our bubble gum and duct tape for some new equipment. And then looking at that, where is that taking us? We have talked this this year about introducing some creativity scholarships for mm-hmm. our staff. You know, I've seen this done other places. The idea being that you just sort of say, if you had $500, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And what would you, you know, how would you use that to mm-hmm. change something at the library? And, you know, letting them give us their ideas, keeping everybody engaged in those kinds of processes. And then looking, I think, not only what our community needs and adapting to provide that as a kind of innovation, but providing things our community doesn't know it needs. In a way, looking looking forward, looking at trends, looking more broadly at libraries nationwide, even globally, and seeing what they're providing and how all of that ties together you know, into what we need to be doing, what we need to be prepping for for the next mm-hmm. few years. So the library is never standing still. No, no, just an engine constantly turning away, you know, Uh, bells, whistles going off, sometimes klaxons, you never know. (laughs) 
Well, thank you for inviting me into your library, this wonderful, beautiful building. And those who listen to the podcast can follow in the show notes. There's links to articles that have been written, some photographs that have been taken of this wonderful library. And if anybody is in the area of Central Florida, this is Winter Park, Florida, north of Orlando. Always come by and have a look at the, the building and the event center next door. It's a wonderful location. Knowing where you've come from, it must be a lot of fun to come to work every, every day. day. Every day. <laughs> Thank you, Sabrina, for your time here today. I know we've got to get back to work, and I appreciate the time I'm able to spend here, and I look forward to coming back again soon. We look forward to seeing you. 